Hello, you're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 16, recorded in October 2011. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And I'm Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And Sandy, we have today a very special guest uh, with us who is someone who's just been a tremendous leader in the fight against human trafficking, not only here domestically, but around the globe. And uh, I am going to give you an opportunity to tell the audience who who we have here today. I'm very excited because probably the most significant teacher mentor for me learning about human trafficking when I first started um, is Dr. Laura Letter. And when I met her, she was working for the State Department. And now she is the uh, founder and president of Global Centurion. And we're going to talk to her today about the link between street gangs and human trafficking. And Dave, why don't you just give us a little bio? on her background. I'd be happy to. Uh, Laura Letter founded and directed the Protection Project at Harvard University's John F. Kennedy School of Government back in 1997. And from 2001 till 2009, she served as the Senior Advisor on Trafficking in Persons to Undersecretary of State for Democracy and Global Affairs, who was Paula Dobryansky at the time, and then Senior Director of Global Projects in the Office to Monitor and Combat trafficking in persons at the U.S. Department of State. And from, in addition to that, from 2001 to 2009, she was the executive director of the Senior Policy Operating Group on Trafficking in Persons, which was a, a high-level interagency group that staffed the president's cabinet-level interagency task force on trafficking in persons. As she has her BA magnum cum laude in comparative religions from the University of Michigan, which is not an easy school to get a magnum cum laude from. So uh, that's very cool. And after 10 years in philanthropy as the director of community and social concerns at a private foundation, she continued her education at the University of San Francisco Law School and DePaul College of Law and received her Juris Doctorate in June 1994. And I could go on literally for about 10 minutes of the accomplishments she's had, but I think that I'm going to turn it over to you, Sandy, and Thank say you. a very Thank welcome hello yes, to Dr. Yes. Laura Letter. And um, it just goes without saying that she has impacted this issue globally and has gone, we've traveled together to Greece and to Iraq, and she's been out here at Vanguard University at the Global Center for Women and Justice. So we're going to dive right in, Laura, and talk about the connection between street gangs and human trafficking. Do you want to frame that for us? Well, um, uh, I I started doing, um, let me just give you a little background um, uh, first on how uh, we came to make the link between street gangs and human trafficking, Sandy. Um, We were collecting uh, case law. This is an anchor project of 
uh, Global Centurion, um, collecting the case law worldwide that addresses human trafficking and um, uh, pulling data points from, from the case law in order to uh, get perpetrator profiles. Um, it's part of the work that we're doing to um, understand the demand for, for human trafficking. And um, one of the, the data points that kept coming up was the, the, that um, uh, those who were trafficking young women and children um, were involved also in street gangs. And um, uh, after we found about 20 or 30 cases, um, I, I actually added a data point um, so that we could anywhere around the world where a street gang um, was in, involved in human trafficking, we could then, uh, you know, we would be able to, to uh, identify that very quickly as opposed to, you know, in, as a part of the coding. Um, and uh, so it was, it was it, um, through that that we, we came to know that there was um, this connection. Um, and so far we've, we have over 200 cases um, just in North America alone of street gangs involved in, in, in mostly sex trafficking, but uh, in, in um, human trafficking. Wow. So Global Centurion, um, explain how Global Centurion takes on this kind of research. Uh, after for the for the first uh, uh, couple of years after the passage of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, I think that the the focus was on the victim side. In fact, we even say that the law is victim centered, and um, uh, and that's because, and rightly so, that we 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 needed to once we we discovered what the harm of human trafficking was, we needed to focus on the victims. We needed to focus on um, rescuing, um, uh, restoring, and reintegrating those victims into society. Um, but about five years into my work at the State Department, I realized that it would be a constant mop-up job if we were only uh, focused on the victim side and um, that we needed to look at human trafficking in the same way that we look at drug trafficking and arms trafficking as a triangle of activity where there's supply, demand, and distribution. The supply uh, are the the, uh, the people, men, women, and children who are being trafficked. The um, distribution um, is the, uh, the, those are the traffickers. They're in this for the money. And, um, and then there's that other, uh, corner of the triangle of activity. And, and that is the demand side. Um, those are the customers who are buying. They're fueling the market. And, um, uh, a couple of us who've been working on the, on this issue realized that we knew practically nothing about the demand side. I mean, who are uh, the buyers? What motivates them to buy? Are they um, are they you know criminals? Are they really hardened criminals who are who are uh, you know are, who are driven by a you know sort of criminal mind? Are they uh, addicts who need this kind of, of gratification, and so they buy uh, uh, young women and children in order to to uh, sort of satisfy a, a need? Are they your average everyday? Um, um, uh, young man who, or a man who, uh, who is just, just does it because, uh, because he can or because he's, you know, been given a lot of messages over the years that it's okay to, to purchase or to exploit, um, a young woman or child. We just don't know very much about that, 
that that demand side. And so when I left the State Department, um, I started Global Centurion to focus on that demand side, um, both in terms of finding out more, so we do research to find out more about the demand, um, to educate, um, to try to uh, um, use um, uh, social marketing campaigns, um, educational modules, curricula to to reach um, young men and boys who make up the demand side, um, who make up the demand in, um, in order to uh, help them to uh, understand the harm. And then we also work with law and law enforcement to address demand from the uh, legal perspective, um, uh, drafting and passing laws that focus on, on, uh, on the demand as opposed to on the victim side. Okay, so, so then the link between the street gang and, and human trafficking how can the everyday person begin to understand what that means to us? Um, well, um, the best thing is to, to look at a couple of, of the, the cases in order to understand what that, what that link looks like. Um, because we were, we were surprised. I mean, even in um, the Washington, D.C. area where, where, um, where I live, the, there were just in the past couple of years, there have been 12 cases of uh, street gangs involved in, uh, in in human trafficking. And if you look at these cases, they're they're um, um, pretty frightening cases. Um, uh, for example, um, I'll give you one out in your um, uh, area. Um, there was an arrest in San Diego in 2011 where three dozen Crips. Um, members of the Crip uh, street gang, and two motel owners were indicted for running an online um, prostitution ring that targeted underage girls. The gangs were using, um, the gang members were using social networking sites. They were using MySpace, Craigslist, Twitter, and Facebook to recruit and to sell. Um, And um, they were working together to uh, target underage girls from broken homes that they knew were were susceptible to this, and once they got them into the uh, into the gang, um, then they would, um, you know, um, they they had a modus operandi where they would wine and dine them, and kind of or the, the whatever the you know sort of up to date equivalent of that is, um, buy them presents, um, do a kind of a Romeo thing on them, um, and um, and then match them up with one or another gang member who would become their boyfriend. Then he would um, uh, he he would have them for a while, and then suggest, well, you know, I'd really like to share you with my um, you know my other friend here in the gang. And then once once she had agreed to that, then she was used by other gang members. And then once she had agreed to that, or maybe she didn't agree, but she just was was forced into it. There was this kind of a seasoning process where whereby the the uh, the gang pushes her further and further into um, an ex- you know, exploitive relationship and then um, out onto the street and beginning to, to sell her. So, um, and that's one uh, example. Um, there was another uh, um, case in Brooklyn in 2010 where uh, Brooklyn prosecutors arrested the Bloods, the gang members, on charges of running sex trafficking rings that recruited girls from junior high schools. Mm. They were um, they were 
um, beaten and deprived of food if they didn't earn $500 a day um, out on the streets. And so there was a, there's a whole uh, sort of uh, uh, modus operandi that, that uh, first of all, targeting very young girls. Um, one of our um, one of our cases in in the Virginia area, um, the social worker who has been working with the the uh, girls and the girls are as young as twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old, said that um, the gang members were offering what they called skip parties, where you they would um, invite these um, kids in middle schools to skip middle school and come to a party at a private house. And um, and those skip parties were the places where the recruiting would take place. So there's a they have a um, they they have a, a a way of the new new ways of recruiting, of of um, coaxing, of luring these very young um, girls into uh, into their um, uh, gang process. Not that they become gang members, but luring them into the you know into the ring, and then uh, very quickly sort of turning them back out. And then they have and the, and while those. Uh, ways of recruiting are kind of classic, like the Romeo um, method, or like even just the you know a a, 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 um, a kind of a you know snatching or kidnapping and 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 beating. It can it, it can run from one extreme to the other in terms of the recruiting process. The um, marketing and retailing process is very sophisticated. There, the gangs are using the. Um, uh, internet. They're using cell phones. They're using all the new technologies and the social media to um, find customers and to um, make their money. Laurie, it's it's so interesting to hear you speak about this because I was not familiar with the link between gang activity and and the potential for human trafficking. And we don't hear as much in the media about gangs as we did five, ten, fifteen years ago. And it's such a such a sad thing that now um, gangs are involved in this too, and that that's still such a part of of the, the activity around this. And it's just a just a really sad story to hear. Well, what what we found shocking was that um, uh, law enforcement um, has been. Um, uh, developing very sophisticated uh, programs to address. Um, human trafficking and very sophisticated programs across the United States to to deal with uh, gang um, uh, criminal activities, street gangs and their criminal activities, mm-hmm. but that um, there had not been um, any way of putting those two together. So there were kind of there, there are task forces. There are about two hundred task forces on on street gangs and and forty some task forces on human trafficking that the Department of Justice has developed across the United States. And these two um, kinds of task forces had never met, had never uh, uh, come together, had never compared notes. Oh, and interesting. So this, this new um, um, uh, and it is new. It is a, a it's a relatively new it seems um, uh, uh, activity for street gangs. They're mostly known for um, uh, you know um, uh, drug trafficking and for um, they do a small weapons trafficking, um, uh, robbery, extortion, murder, witness tampering. So they're 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 charged with those activities fairly routinely. Um, sometimes the human trafficking is going on 
at the same time, but that charge has not is not being brought. Now that's changing um, um, since uh, you know since we found these cases and since we've made the connection. I um, um, Justice Department officials also came to a couple of my uh, workshops and um, and um, we're also seeing uh, um, some. Uh, some uh, some more sophistication, at least on the um, you know the, the um, going after the gang members who are involved, particularly in uh, trafficking um, children. So so then, if this is new and we're beginning to get a handle on it, so what kind of new approaches do we have to look at to fight this? Um, well, I mean, I think we have to do the same kinds of things that we uh, we have uh, done with human trafficking. First of all, uh, just having an awareness that that this is um, you know, this is a, a new criminal activity that street gangs are moving into, and um, and looking for it. I mean, proactively, we we've always said that law enforcement has to be proactive in terms of human trafficking uh, cases because, unlike um, uh, some other crimes. Like um, you know, robbery or 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 murder, where the you know, the phone rings and the law enforcement officer is law enforcement is generally speaking is reactive. Somebody calls and reports a crime, and then law enforcement reacts. Um, with human trafficking, law enforcement uh, has has had to develop proactive. Um, methodologies uh, in, uh, in order to find it because it is underground criminal activity, and so, so um, uh, we need to use the same kinds of, of uh, methodologies that we've used on drug trafficking and on uh, on arms trafficking. So surveillance and and sting operations and and just um, and strike forces, um, you know, ta- special task forces where where um, law enforcement develops uh, the kind of expertise and skills. And knows what's what to look for. So I think that that um, um, having that extra knowledge and knowing what to look for is going to be one of the first things. Um, and um, uh, and then um, I think there's a lot that communities can also do um, in order to to uh, begin to uh, work on on uh, you know on the um, on the issue. Um, uh, knowing that gangs are targeting young uh, children and they're targeting them, uh, I mean, in middle schools and so on, they're targeting them at at school or after school in the malls or, um, uh, you know, uh, in, in in places where teens hang out. Um, I think that we we also have to be um, developing the kinds of programs where we can reach um, young. Um, kids, and this is difficult. This is difficult because I know here in in Virginia, uh, the uh, the organization that is his is working with the victims of the most recent street gang cases. Um, has been asked to come into the schools to talk in the middle schools about human trafficking and about street gangs. And then when she showed her, when the um, the uh, head of the organization showed her PowerPoint, the PTA was uh, didn't approve it because mm. uh, you know it was too hard hitting. So we have to find the ways to talk about this <laughs> in order to um, 
in order to address it. And I think that um, taking the best of what we have already done with with um, gang, uh, you know, um, uh, education on, on uh, gangs, and the best of what we've already developed um, in terms of human trafficking, we should be able to uh, we should be able to to combine those and develop, you know, some new programs. So I have seven recommendations that I make um, when I when I discuss this in communities. Okay, and um, why don't you just go through those seven for us? Well, the first one is to draft and pass local anti-gang laws that address human trafficking. Um, most of the gang, um, the, the gang law is at the local level, either at the state or the, the um, uh, uh, county or city level. And so um, if, uh, if an, a community does not have a gang law, um, developing one that, that is tailored to that community is important. And training law enforcement to look for human trafficking as part of gang activity is is uh, is very important. Um, and I think as these cases come to light, um, uh, we've had uh, you know a good two dozen high profile cases across the United States, um, in Florida, in New York, in Boston, in um, uh, Washington uh, State, in California, in Texas. As those um, become uh, better known, law enforcement will, I, I think they will know more what to look for. So that's the first one, um, has to do with the law. The second one also has to do with the law. Um, San Diego has, has taken the lead in, in this regard, and that is add human trafficking to the list of suspect activities um, in state and local gang legislation. So if you have a gang law already, um, you, most of the gang um, laws, the anti-gang laws, um, list 33 offenses or, or, or so, something like that, 30 or so offenses that um, are, are um, uh, they, they, where they increase penalties for gang-related crimes. And adding human trafficking to that list of 30 or so um, gang activities is important. And I think there are a couple of communities that have done that, and I believe there will be more. Um, the third is to uh, charge and prosecute all criminal activity. So um, in most of the, the uh, gang um, cases that we've seen so far, gang members are, are charged for um, you know, murder, extortion, um, arms trafficking, um, uh, or, or firearms, um, uh, witness tampering, as I said. I mean, there's, there are a series of things that, that, that most of these gangs are involved in. Um, and um, human trafficking often doesn't make it onto that list of multiple charges, and it needs to. If gangs are involved in human trafficking, whether or not that's the, 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 the charge that you lead with, it should be one of the charges, and there can be multiple charges. So um, just adding that, I think, will, will help us to identify um, these cases in the future. Okay. Um, the fourth one is... Um, uh, injunctions and restraining orders preventing criminal gang activity. Um, for example, in San Francisco uh, Visitation Valley, um, uh, the uh, community has has some kinds of criminal activity that um, they can that they they've listed that uh, gangs are often involved in that that that, that and they can in 
add human trafficking to that and there and and can prevent that kind of activity if they've already got it in a you know an, in an um, restraining order. The fifth is using um, just uh, local uh, things like property abatement um, mm. yeah. law. Um, uh, for example, in Los Angeles, um, the the house where gang members um, are are um, you know collecting and meeting. Um, uh, you can often use a property abatement uh, civil suit law against the property owner who is allowing gang members to, you know, to, mm. to utilize his property. Mm-hmm. Um, either, and, and this is done um, for, uh, you know, when they're selling weapons out of that house or selling drugs out of the house, why not also do it for human trafficking? Absolutely. Okay. And there's two more. Uh, there are there are um, um, education and awareness, and I talked about that a little bit. T- trying to to figure out the ways to reach um, boys and girls who are in danger of being recruited. I mean, this is a the problem for for both the males and the females because um, young men are recruited very early. Young boys are recruited very early into the gangs, and they're often the ones that are asked to, uh, you know, to go um, into the schools and recruit the girls their age and um, get them to the skip parties or bring them into the into the gangs and uh, so uh, finding the ways and uh, this is difficult I, I think that there are other countries are ahead of the US in terms of the the ways that you can actually reach um, uh, reach children um, I have a, on my um, uh, webinar which will be up fairly soon on our website I have a couple of um, examples uh, that I think are are uh, effective in reaching young people. For example, in Canada, um, the uh, law enforcement officials have um, seized the um, some of the assets of, of gang members, including a Hummer or including their you know very fancy cars or even their dogs, and then they sort of reverse engineer and they they decorate the the cars. Um, with um, anti-gang slogans and messages, and they take them into the junior high schools or middle schools oh, or, wow. or or high schools, and use them. The kids can go out; they can climb on them, and they have the messages on the on the car. So things that are creative like that, or the the pit bulls that the gang members were using to fight, they'll then have, uh, bring the the pit bulls in and do anti-gang messaging, and the pit bulls will have the little banners on their you know have a a, a little banner on them, an anti-gang message. So uh, creative ways to reach um, teenagers uh, are important. Um, In um, one community in um, California, the the School of Education, the Board of Education, ran a video awareness campaign, um, and and they didn't design it. They asked uh, kids in grades 8 through 12 to... Uh, to take a video camera and to find a way to um, uh, make a message, a very short, you know, 60-second or two-minute message about, um, um, you know, gangs and, and the harms of gangs. And um, and then the, the best one won a big prize. And so, you know, that Teens Against Gangs video contest is a very... So these kinds of ideas, I think, very are better creative. than, yeah, than, than, than um, you know, the lecture method. Um, 
we also need to, to reach out in what I call concentric circles of care. So you want to reach the young people. You also want to reach their parents. Um, and you want to reach the uh, um, teachers. You want to have um, educational um, modules for community leaders. You want to have the same thing for, for churches. And they have to be tailored for the these um, particular communities. So, for example, um, in... Um, in one um, um, city, parents of first offender gang members attended a, a, a school to uh, help them understand, the, you know, the harms of gang activity and what they can do to prevent their their sons or daughters from, uh, you know, participating in in gangs, and um, those kinds of of um, specially tailored um, so that there's not a cookie-cutter approach, I think are going to be very, very important. Our time is fast running out, and there's so much more to talk about. Um, What I would like to do is schedule a part two eventually and maybe bring in um, some law enforcement and education people and do a panel with you, um, Laura, because this kind of interaction and getting that cross uh, communication is so important. We recently hosted um, juvenile justice offices from Las Vegas to the beach cities that included four counties here for a summit. And the fact that there is a lot of the information out there that is not being um, uh, communicated through collaborative community efforts is is a tragedy. And it's something we have to correct as quickly as possible in order to um, address this much more effectively. Um, would you tell us um, again what your website is? Yes, and some of this information will very shortly be up on the website. It's www.globalcenturian.org and there's basic information about the demand side and um, uh what I call the five S's of demand, how to go after the demand side and, and, and uh, the, the ways we can work on demand. And um, uh, I, I've written a law review article on street, the link between street gangs and human trafficking and um, uh, uh, done a couple of op-ed pieces. And then shortly this, the, the PowerPoint that I've done will be up also. So those are all um, at least uh, first primers. But I agree with you that I think that, that um, each of us, um, in our own areas of expertise, we, we need to begin to figure out how to collaborate and cooperate in the same way that we've, uh, we have built um, uh, you know, um, multidisciplinary uh, task forces on human trafficking. We need to do the same thing now for street gangs and human trafficking. And Dr. Letter has been a frequent um, presenter at the Global Center for Women and Justice annual spring conference, and we hope that you're going to join us again in 2012. Um, Dave? Yeah, I uh, just want to let our audience know, uh, first of all, a huge thank you to Dr. Letter for spending uh, your time today with us and sharing just, you know, we're just scratching the surface on uh, on this some of this new information, this new research that you're doing and looking into. And I'm so glad that, that you are looking into it. And, and just a reminder for our audience too, we've talked a little bit about demand today and the, and the importance of understanding the demand side of the equation in human trafficking. And we did do an episode on that a few weeks back, uh, episode number 11. So be sure to check that out as well. And for those who are wanting to get in touch with 
uh, Laura's organization, Global Centurion, and looking for some of those resources she mentioned, we'll also put a link to that on our website in the show notes. So that way folks can uh, reference those as well. And just a reminder for our audience too, if this has raised questions or comments for you and, and questions we can address on a future podcast, there's a couple of ways to get a hold of us. One way is to send an email to gcwj at vanguard.edu. That's for the Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard. Or folks can call you, Sandy, right? Right. They can call 714-556-3610, extension 2242. So I think we should thank uh, Dr. Letter thank for her time. So uh, Loris, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, share your expertise with us today. We're so blessed to have had you and uh, and to to really share your wisdom. Happy to be here. And that's going to wrap up our time for us today, Sandy. So uh, this has been a, you know, a great education yes. for me yeah. as far as the importance of looking at how gangs uh, potentially are involved in, in human trafficking. Not, not even potentially, but for sure are involved in human trafficking. And um, Boy, so much for us to continue to look at and investigate in future episodes. Yep. And just a reminder, if you have comments or feedback for us, uh, you can reach us at gcwj at vanguard.edu. And we will see you back for the next episode again in two weeks. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Bye-bye.